0: What is up internet? Look, we were all wearing hats. My sister has always been a bit showy. My name is Matthew Kroll.
1: Hola Internet and did people a did. End of story. My name is Shahir Dow. And
0: this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, well I would say flowers.
1: But it's not well, well you might say that. I the if people in the region that we're in might yes. call it Larick. Yes. Uh, People in the region slightly south of where we're at might call it Flores.
0: Right. So, And also, (laughs) you might hear some differences in the audio where we are recording this. We are coming at you not so live from Bilbao, Spain. Uh, Shahir and I, I don't know if you've followed this in the past. You might have seen some social media posts, but we, tend to, we work the EMAs, uh, the European Music Awards for MTV. Every year they bring us out to a new city, and it seems like we're on the same job, and then we have to do a podcast from said city.
1: And I wanted to do something slightly different this year. I've always been interested in the idea that um, we would look at a place through a movie, and uh, the opportunity to travel to Spain was something that came up very suddenly for both of us, and I thought, what a great opportunity, <laughs> what a great fortuitous <laughs> opportunity for us to try something a little different, and what I wanted to try here was uh, not necessarily look at a, blo- uh, a new release or something that's on the radar for most of our listeners, right. but ne- but maybe talk about how you can discover a place through the movies that that place produces, and we are in Bilbao, uh, which is Basque Country.
0: Yes, um, also Kick ass city. Like very cool we've city. We've been beautiful. having a ton of fun. We we spent the day. Yeah. We went up a, 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 a almost vertical tram <laughs> up a mountain and then we walked like nine miles and had some beautiful steak. Oh and, my god, that steak was so good. And now we're going to some other fancy restaurant uh, after this. We're <laughs> just gonna tell you about our vacation. Yeah, plans. yeah, we're living the high life right now. <laughs>
1: But the reason I wanted to also record us outside is I wanted to to give our listeners a sense of place. And maybe in the background you might hear some conversations that are going on in Spanish, perhaps in the Basque language. Um, and this is a unique case as well, because the language that that is uh, of this region is an is what's called a language isolate, which is that it, it exists nowhere else, and the origins of the language are uncertain. Um, what do you mean it's uncertain? It, they're not exactly sure where this language comes from. Well, it's got a... Come from somewhere. It, there are theories about where uh, where it comes from and how it integrates with the French with the French border as well. But it's it's entirely it's fairly uncertain. You know, okay. for example. Um, you know, there's, there's theories of Germanic languages. so We understand that they come from the area of, of uh, where Germany was. Sure. Um, there are there, There's a little bit of uncertainty about the Basque language. Now, the Basque language is also interesting because during uh, uh, the Franco reign, the Basque language was really limited, hmm. so it wasn't actually permitted to be spoken. So it was in fact outlawed in this area. What? And then it was brought back. Uh, the rules were kind of listened after Franco's reign, and and it was brought back. But it, again, it's it's only spoken by about uh, I think eight hundred thousand people. Wow! And the interesting thing is, we're going to be doing a film that is that is specifically in the Basque language. Right.
0: But here's here's the other little <laughs> bit of a tidbit. So we, we prepped for this, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, and all fellow human beings. Uh, basically, we down we each rented the movie four ninety nine on iTunes. I, I suggest you do it. Yeah. Um, so we could watch it on the plane, and then lo and behold, on the flight out here. Uh, the it was available on the, you know the back headset you know <laughs> thing of the plane, which made for an interesting watching experience. Not only because when the pilot interrupts you at dramatic moments, that could probably break your immersion, but yes. also um, I noticed it was actually dubbed in Spanish. In Spanish, so the, on a Spanish airline, on a Spanish airline. So I, I was like, oh, maybe this is maybe they just did a ton of ADR because I know that happens from time to time. Um, but okay. that little- is not the case. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we watched we watched the film in Spanish, but not the Basque uh, language that we, is spoken, pre, pre, you know, predominantly here in Bilbao. Yeah. So even though the film was made in that language, yeah. So <laughs> it,
1: it is a little bit of an unusual situation. Now, the reason I picked this film as well is that it's a 2014 film uh, directed by. John Garano and José María Um And it is an unusual film in that it is the first Basque-language film to be nominated for a Goya, and it was the first Basque-language film from Spain to be submitted to the Academy Awards to be nominated for uh, Best Foreign Film. Now, it didn't get nominated in either of those circumstances, womp but... Womp. However, it is unusual for a Basque-language film, especially, again, a language that was previously outlawed, a language that uh, is only spoken by about 800,000 people, to have been spoken, uh, to, to be nominated for that. So I think that was kind of an extraordinary thing. That was something that came up uh, when I was doing some research about Bilbao and the cinema of Bilbao. The other, uh, if we backtrack just for a second as well, the other film that really comes up a lot when you look at the cinema of Bilbao uh, is, oddly enough, the James, the Michael Apted James Bond, Pierce Brosnan <laughs> vehicle, yes. the world is not enough, which features a scene sit in Bilbao.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: I was not, however, going to have us do that film. I
0: don't know why. I <laughs> think it's great. It literally. You know what though? Let's <laughs> let's pause for a second and talk about that for just two minutes. That is the James Bond film where uh, the high sparrow. I forget the actor's name. Yeah, uh, um, Jonathan. Um, also uh, Elizabeth Swann's father. Yeah. I only know <laughs> actors through, through mainstream blockbuster film yeah. uh, and television shows. Um, but he uh, plays a news mogul that yeah. uses... Uh, the news and uh, it general misinformation to help control the world. Jonathan James Bond. Price. Yeah, thank Sorry. you, Jonathan yeah. Price, uh to control the world and James Bond stops him. <laughs> we're living through a precarious time right now where news organizations seem to be doing rather similar things. Granted, they're not on a giant hydroplane, not hydroplane, um, what was it? It was the type of boat with the two pontoons. Yeah. Uh, the giant uh, <laughs> stealth boat that then Pierce Brosnan had to go in. But we're experiencing something similar. So all I'm saying here is while this film that we watched is lovely and I'm looking forward to diving in into why we did it and also not only the film itself but how it sort of framed my initial um, reasonings of what I thought this city would be. Yeah. But we could have also done that too. We could have done well, James
1: we, You could have done we would have done the world is not enough just for like the 1 5 minute scene of uh, of uh, Pierce Brosnan being in Bilbao and having a fight sequence uh, outside the Guggenheim. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now, uh, <laughs> no. No, we that's that's what the people come for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. The thing I guess I wanted to talk about is we did an episode a while back called Race and Representation, yes. um, where we talked really about what, how important it is to see yourself on screen and, what it, uh, and, and how it can change and, and mean a lot to you. I guess you would call this episode Place and representation okay we we're not going to call it that (laughs) but we can do that for now we can do that for now well the the reason i was thinking about that in in relation to our trip to bilbao as well is the first time i saw new zealand on film which is obviously you live in the united states so you're used to seeing america on film right because that is the predominant uh origin of most films you know what correct yeah that's a fair assumption there um I am from Fiji mm-hmm. and then from New Zealand and I remember the very first time I saw a place that I actually lived in on film okay uh, and that and oddly though it was for... Uh, there's some debate about this, but it was for an American movie, which is Peter Jackson's movie, The Frighteners, which was made in New Zealand. Okay, but but, but my Frighteners lo- is great. Uh, my local, well, it was actually the Miramar Local Dairy. Mm. Uh, they call it a dairy, which is the equivalent of a deli in New Zealand. Okay, doubled for an American um, American you know store. Uh, and, you know, it was American streets. And then and then all of a sudden the Wellington City, which I'm used to, the Wellington region, mm-hmm. was now doubling as an American as, as an American small town. Copy that. But I remember seeing my town for the first time on screen and it being a little bit startling. And it got me thinking about how we feel when the place we live is represented on screen, whether it's accurate, inaccurate uh, with a. We feel it kind of represents what we believe our home to be like. Mm. Um, Again, I haven't seen too much of Fiji
0: on screen, um, so I would be really curious about that. To be honest, I haven't seen much of New Hampshire on screen, and oftentimes when it is represented, it is not actually New Hampshire. Right. Um, the, the, The last film that took place in New Hampshire that I watched was The Witch. Ah. It's in the lands that are, that are that is now New Hampshire.
1: It's not now, and Manchester by the Sea is not New Hampshire. No, percent. that is Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah, but, yeah, it's sort yeah. of, but I went it, to college around there. So yeah, I did have a
0: similar, you're, you're 100% correct. Manchester by the Sea I had, I, I didn't grow up there, yeah. but it's a place I'm familiar with. That fits into, good good catch on my history. Sheer. Well,
1: that's that's what I was thinking about, and I was, I was going to pose that question to you about the fir- either the first time you saw it or how you feel about, you know, uh, seeing New Hampshire on screen.
0: I mean i haven't honestly haven't seen it much i yeah. think actually your your point about my life is actually probably better than the one i was going to use <laughs> being the witch um i mean because i i listen i spent a lot of time in the woods and yeah it looked <laughs> legit uh <laughs> when i was a kid yeah. but uh no uh manchester by the sea uh, if you go back and listen to that review if you already haven't that was a fun one uh with julie lillaby i believe was on yep, manchester like by the so, sea. yeah Uh wonderful guest hello shout out julie um the, yeah, it, it, it just felt, and you know what, though? This is the interesting thing about that, I think. That movie definitely felt like places that I uh, went to college and hung out at, no right. question. Yeah. Like, just the feeling of it. But that that feeling honestly came from the people and the actors more than the, I mean, the locations looked familiar, sure. Yeah. But, but I feel like Manchester by the Sea, <laughs> for a film that is, literally the title is describing a place. Yeah. Uh, the place itself actually didn't have a lot of the effectiveness that I think the characters and the, the characters brought to it.
1: Well, and, location
0: and, didn't. <laughs> the, the location portrayal in the film, as far as physical locations, yeah, didn't have the emotional impact that say the um, the characters portrayed in the film felt like people that I grew up and were around for. Formulative years of my life, so it's a, it, it, it did the same thing, yeah. but it did it in a different way.
1: See, and I and I guess I don't want to I don't want to presume as well that every film has to kind of like make the you know that classic the location is the character kind of you know the location is a character. Kind no, of no, thing. no, totally, totally, totally. It, it's more the idea that like when you see a place on screen, you know, does it really feel? does it feel like home to you, or does it feel like a place you actually know? Right. And uh, this obviously changes as well, because it can also include places you've visited. Um, So it's not necessarily, you know, like... Such as Bilbao. Bilbao, or, uh, you know, we've done trips to Amsterdam, and seen films from Amsterdam. I, I guess the thing I really want to get at here is, like, thinking about movies that identify place very strongly, and... And there are a couple of films that came to mind when I th- when I think about that. I was listening to the Blank Check podcast recently, and they were talking—they have they've had a long-running series about Ang Lee. And they were talking about how they felt Ang Lee was a very good observer of place. Okay. Um. And a, you True. Know, a g- good example of that is a, a film like Brokeback Mountain, where you really observe what that mountain was and, like, how it works. And you feel it as a presence in the entire film. Um and so I was starting to think about that, and I was starting to think about films where place really plays a strong part in the movie. Right. The film that comes to mind immediately for me uh, is Y Tu Mama tambien, Alfonso Cuarón's yeah. film, which yeah, is yeah. really a, you know, it's obviously, it's a road trip film, so they are traveling through a place, and then there is a narrator commenting on that place, and it's commenting in a sort of unique and interesting way. Mm-hmm. But but I feel like that is, a, that is something that films do... In a sort of more immediate way that novels can do, for example, which is identify a film, uh, identify a location by place uh, visually and conjure and, and conjure the feeling of it. And I was got kind of, like it's a weird. It's this is much more esoteric, much more difficult, you know, much more ephemeral. Yeah, I thought we than, were going to be talking about flowers. Yeah, yeah. Than uh, than uh, say race and representation, which is directly about the people on screen. But like, you know, but but I would f- argue. I would yeah. argue. Okay, again, okay. going back
0: to. Manchester by the Sea that actually it's a combination of all things mm-hmm. like it th- honestly the people the, the the cast and the acting in Manchester by the Sea is what made that feel familiar to me as a as a place because the place I knew had people exactly like that it fe- that was the sort of thing like yeah did it look like a miserable town in winter sure yeah, yeah I'm familiar with that too <laughs> but that wasn't the focal point the <laughs> focal point was sort of the emotional impact that the characters had. Uh, in the familiarity that the characters had around characters in my family and friends, right? And uh, and yeah, wait. So here's here's a question. Okay, uh, what? So you, you know, either I mean, you, we could go New Zealand, like you you mentioned. Yep. We could also go Fiji. Fiji uh, is where, I'm uh, prom- where yeah. I was born. Yeah. Is there is there has there ever been a a film that you've seen uh, that's set in Fiji that that uh, you're like yes or no? Uh, there
1: was. There was a film that was shot in Fiji. Well, first off, I think uh, uh, parts of uh, Castaway, the uh, Tom Hanks movie with the, Yes, uh, where well, Tom I Hanks is stranded on an island, was shot in Fiji. Um, but so did, did it feel like it? <laughs> well, I. The, this is the other thing: is the, the parts <laughs> of Fiji I lived in weren't like isolated desert islands, right? Um, but. The other, the other thing I remember as well is when I saw the first preview for Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, the, the Fellowship of the Rings. And there was like a wide shot sort of almost silhouette where you see the fellowship running across a mountaintop. Yep. And you see the cloud lines behind them. <laughs> and <laughs> New Zealand's, uh, New Zealand's uh, Maori name is Aotearoa which it literally translates to the land of the long white cloud. Oh. Uh, and it was really interesting watch it, l- watching that scene because the cloud formations, I was like, yep, that's New Zealand. That's what New Zealand looks like. Sure. Uh, I noticed that uh, I just recently did a trip to Florida, and Florida has like a different sort of um, types of clouds that you would see often in the sky. Uh, and New Zealand is very much like is it, that. Is
0: it garbage? Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's it's actually very pretty. You get but you get sort of the like thunderous
0: clouds more yeah, often. Yeah, I not. meant like dark, <laughs> sinister. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. You get that, but they they form and they sort of uh, yeah. You, you know, a well, little the mountain
0: bit. ranges change the way the yeah. cloud structure and yada, yada yada. But
1: I remember seeing Lord of the Rings for the first time and seeing that cloud and was like, yep, that's New Zealand, all right. right? You know, like most of the time, like Lord of, in Lord of the Rings, for example, it's doubling as Middle Earth or some other place, right? But but the New Zealander looks at it and goes, yep, that's New Zealand. Yep. Uh, and I'm you <laughs> they know go, yep. Yep, yep, yep. That's a yeah. If you're uh what? Uh, Catch it on Boba Fett. Yep. Is it Boba Fett's son? Jenga. No. Fett. Well, it's Boba Fett says it. He says it to Jenga Fett. I tell you, that got the biggest laugh in any New Zealand audience. Um, so uh, there is a film. I can't remember the name of the film, but um, oh, the other film that was shot in New Zealand again, uh, shot in Fiji on an isolated beach, was returned to the Blue Lagoon, I believe. Um, and uh, the, there is a film called. The, uh, The Something Turtle. I've forgotten what it is. Uh, Oh, yes. Uh, Yeah, the Something Turtle. The Something Turtle. The Something Turtle. Um... Might have been the red Turtle or something. It could be. Yes, if you uh, if you do know what that uh, that title hey, is, you can write email us in
0: at onlymoviepodcast <laughs> at gmail.com, Also at Twitter at onlymoviepod if you know that, or if you just like to talk about films in general that you can uh, relate to the place and that you feel you either know or represented a movie in an incredibly different light than you're used to, especially if you're from that place. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'd love to hear some stories about that because uh, that it's it's interesting and even even going back to the film that we we're, we're going to be talking about today even though we will be meandering back and forth yeah. uh, through this conversation i really enjoyed seeing this film because while it didn't take place predominantly in bilbao it definitely i mean we've only we've been here 4 days Yeah, yeah. So, um, we don't so we really don't have a, have a huge thing yeah. but um we did we've done a lot of walking around mm-hmm. and the there is a general feeling to not let, let's let's sort of break it down a little bit. First of all, the geography is very mountain like. It's very mountainy here, very large hills sort of yeah. things rolling through. In the film itself, a lot of the stuff in this movie, for instance, takes place on roads that have uh, you know big tunnels through them and toll booths and 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 the structures of the buildings that they go in and out of all feel very like the architecture feels similar. Like so, the landscape definitely like did not feel like. Obviously, America or anywhere else in the yeah. in the country or in the in the world, but then, but just sort of like the the imagery that I saw, like especially on like the wides that were just sort of sitting there for a bit. Yeah, it was always a winding road, <laughs> a, a beautiful green mountain, and probably part of a tunnel. Right, and like that's a lot of what i've seen around here which is which is it, it's amazing how like those three very simple things can look so amazing when a well kept and b placed in aesthetically pleasing places yeah it's <laughs> um,
1: it, it's interesting to kind of get a sense of a place before you arrive there and kind of have that right. that sense of that place validated by your actual reaction to the place yeah. than than what you saw i think i th- so the other, the other the other, side of this coin, though, is, for, for example, the people of Fargo, North Dakota, who, you know, like who've infamously now been
0: associated with a movie. The people of South Park, Illinois. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, who have now been infamously associated with a certain film that kind of depicts their landscape in a certain way and mm-hmm. also the way their people operate sure. in a certain way. Um, but so the broader section isn't the broader idea here isn't just the place, but also the way people are and the way the language works and the way... Uh, basically, you know, you, like you said before, place doesn't encapsulate just the location. Sure. It's actually sure, sure, just sure. the sort of sense of where we are in the world that is different and unique to where other places are in the world. Um, the, You know, a couple of other films that uh, came to mind. And, you know, again, for me, What We Do in the Shadows, Taika Waititi's film uh, uh, yes. about uh, hilarious vampires, <laughs> is set uh, in Wellington City. And it's the Wellington City that I knew going to university. It is exactly that Wellington City. (laughs) It's like dirty apartments, uh, terrible flatmates, going to, uh, there was a pub called the Fat Lady's Arms, which I think was in the uh, the film Hmm. as well. So it was like, it was the first time I ever saw my sort of goofy little hometown suddenly depicted on screen in a sort of, cinematic way. And it was more impactful to me that was more impactful to me than Tyka's other films, um, Eagle vs. Shock Boy, uh, or uh Hunt for the Wilder people, which are yeah. Which I think, for the outside viewer, much more exemplifying New Zealand, right? Like, if you watch those films, you think New Zealand. Right. But whereas we, when you watch, we
0: think standardized New Zealand, not standardized. What's the word? Um, a cultural zeitgeist New, New Zealand, Zealand, like world zeitgeist New yeah. Zealand, uh, where I can totally see the uh, the specificity of certain things, even as. Not necessarily the full backdrop of the film, but just sort of where the film is taking place. Like what we do in The Shadows, one of the great comedic things it does is it takes the extraordinary and turns it mundane and in there lies the comedy. So the mundanity is is, is, is literally the mundane stuff that you used to do in that exact spot. And it felt real because of it. Exactly, exactly.
1: Um, and and it's ironic because the you know like I think a film like Hunt for the Wilder People has these sort of much more beautiful lands you know like uh, yeah. sweeping vistas. That's what shots. I picture yeah. New Zealand. Yeah, that's to be what you like. picture New Zealand like. But that's not actually the New Zealand. I mean, I've certainly been to places like that in. New Zealand. Are you New saying Zealand. there's no there's
0: no wilderness in New Zealand? Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's not like when I think of you know my home, that's not necessarily what I think of. Sure, so sure, sure, sure. It's really interesting to sort of think about. A, if you come from a place like how you feel about you know um, say if you come from. Iceland or Switzerland or something like that, and you sort of get the, you know, and the movies from those areas are kind of picturesque and beautiful if they're made by outsiders. But then if you live there, you might live in, you know, like a specific sort of city type of dwelling. You might live in a certain kind of apartment, which doesn't exemplify that kind of vista kind of look.
0: Ooh, so that plays into something that even that uh, we do in America uh, that is hilarious and (laughs) weird is if you look at in any real film, New York or LA, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Those it's are the, the two places. It's the same thing. Yeah. Because it's, the, it's, it's tapping into what we think the cultural zeitgeist of those two places is. Yeah. But if you've lived there, a lot of, like, for instance, you know, um, what's it called? Uh, Broad City yeah. feels the most New York, yeah. I think, ever because it's it's the same as what we do in the shadows. It's the mundane stuff that you sort of see every day. Whereas, like, I'm trying to think of, um, even Sex in the City kind of does the same thing too, though, the granted. New York. Yeah. But, yeah. like, it's... it's um, it's an idealized New yep. York, and it just keeps going. You know, every God <laughs> at any movie that's set in New York. I mean, you can you can be like, well, a can't get an apartment like that. Yeah. B, you're you're, yeah, like you're, you're publishing versus yeah, yeah yeah yeah. So like, it's the same thing. It's 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 trying to give you the feeling of the idea of the place as opposed to probably the actual feeling of the place.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's just a different alleg. I mean, you could argue, like for example. Uh, in terms of L.A., the great L.A. filmmaker that, demonst- that, that depicts L.A. as a city and has an understanding of the geography of L.A. is Michael Mann. Um, the, in New York, that person is probably Martin Scorsese or Woody Allen. Um, but, but then, you know, just as you pointed out, we both live in New York City, for example. Right. And the movie that most exemplified New York that I know and understand, oddly, was uh, Black Swan. Oh. That was the film that like and I, it was just a, it was a case of like arriving in New York for the first time. And, you know, like you start you start to come to terms with the geography of New York and seeing it in a way where you're suddenly you realize that, you know, like when she's catching a subway, she's going from Columbus Circle to the Upper West Side. And yes. that's what that's. And, you know, that subway trip, so, you know, the stops all of a sudden.
0: And, and you know, it's funny people from a place if you're dealing with the transit system oh they'll call you out yeah of course i literally on a thing for extra credits we Mm -hmm. did an october update video and i took the subway from one place to the other uh which you don't necessarily like any new yorker probably wouldn't do Mm -hmm. um and uh, i got called out on the video because it made no sense that i would take the subway from point a to point b i'm like yeah but i had to get the shot i was like (laughs) it's it's funny how like people well that's the thing i guess it's what what does the audience want right like if 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 you're interested in the place that you were in and you start seeing similarities but then something knocks you out of it yeah that but but that wouldn't knock out say anyone from anywhere else in the country that hadn't spent time in new york
1: exactly exactly and i again you know i want to really stress that it does it isn't the case that every film has to make the location accurate every film isn't you know like right. the thing i think we've already just identified is that y- you can talk about a place really broadly like Bilbao, for example right. but People who live in a certain uh, neighborhood in Bilbao, like we're in a Abando, ban- uh, I think it's called, yeah. um, right now, have a very different opinion about Bilbao than those who live up on the mountainside.
0: I'm also super curious, uh, just from the audience listening to us's perspective right now, uh, how much of the actual uh, area you can hear, how much of the cars and the conversations. We're right, we're in like a little. Just to sort of describe where we are right now, we'll see we, if we can we get this a little We are in bit.
1: kind of a beautiful piazza, kind of terrace yeah. with a couple cafes back and forth. We're in an outside
0: area. Yeah, uh, this
1: episode is brought to you by the Café Irona. Yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, it's 1903. In, established in 1903, and we are sipping uh,
0: a, a beautiful Café Con Leche. They were super nice. They didn't understand us. We didn't understand them. I know. But somehow
1: they, we ended up with two sticks of meat. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> is it good? You, you ate some. I just what? I just took a bite of it because yeah. I felt rude if we didn't. I mean, give me, give me one of those sticks. You want to eat a uh, stick yeah. of meat? I, I, mean, I think it's a stick of lamb. Great. So just so you know, we speak no, little to no Spanish um and right, and uh we were <laughs> we tried to order coffee and ended up with two sticks of meat well, we um, got coffee too we, we did get coffee, coffee as well but two skewers of meat um uh, while we're sitting sort of in a sort of lovely piazza, people, the, are, yeah. people are coming home from work right now. There's uh, another.
0: There's a park across the way, which actually has been rowdy as all hell. Exactly. Um, like late into the evening, just people like, I guess people go there and drink and then the cops come and kick them out. But then they just come right back when the cops leave. <laughs> and a person who's looking at Bilbao from that point
1: of view would have a very different opinion of, say, the kind of view of Bilbao that Lur- uh, that a film like Lorik which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly, or Flores is uh, the Gives. So I kind of, I, it, it's it's just interesting because this is one small facet of a of a film. But the reason I also think this is interesting is that I it's something I like to do and it's something I think we don't necessarily do, but like discovering a place through the cinema of sure. that place.
0: Sure, well here's the deal. Like I know I was talking about like the actual structure of the roads and the tunnels and the mountains. Yeah. And at first I was like, oh, that's kind of tertiary stuff. But in a way it's not. So what happened, I want to break down a little bit of this film. Oh, we have, we have some people coming over from our team. Let's just bring them on in. Yeah, okay, here we go. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, Hi, this is uh, going to be one of those awkward things where we're we're trying to have a podcast yeah. I hated
1: the ending. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was Timothy Delgado. Everybody, uh, we'll we'll meet you. We'll meet you down there in a little bit. You get where are you going to get a drink first? Okay. Well, then I'll text all of you. I'll text all of you. <laughs> So, yes, people are walking
1: past us, getting drinks after work, uh, and enjoying their evening. I, I feel like it's also, you know, that kind of European thing of grabbing a beer after work. Um,
0: I'm sorry I'm chewing this meat so much. Yeah,
1: well, no, that's that's okay. Uh, this is going to the... be an experiment in outdoor podcasting. Um, Next, with, we with go hiking. The, with all the uh, warts and all. Um, but I... You know, like for example, I have never been to Mexico City. I've never been to Mexico, but I I feel like I get a sense of Mexico from a film like *Y tu mamá también*. Now, uh, the tourism industry in 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 Mexico might not want me to feel that way. You know, for example, it's a, in the case of New Zealand, there is a New Zealand Tourism Board which has a real heavy role in right. in. Uh, you know, controlling how New Zealand is depicted on screen, for example. Um, and, and you know, people of Mexico City might not necessarily want Yitumama Mama Tambien to be the the sure. only example of, of things I do. But Bilbao is an interesting one because I haven't seen any film from Bilbao. So right. I really wanted to, like, look at that real specificity with the film.
0: And also, sorry, I got distracted from my point when we saw our entire EMA crew roll up next to us. Um, The point I was going to make was, you know, the roads are bendy and they go through mountains and they, you know, there's sharp turns almost everywhere on these, not necessarily the highways. And a large portion, now we're getting into a a little bit of spoilers, is about a third through the movie. Uh, An instance happens where a character um, gets into a car accident at one of those bends and that and, and dies and that person's death affects all the different characters in different ways based on the fact that he may or may not have been uh, delivering flowers to another character and and it's i, I almost don't want to talk about the film too much yeah i think i think we should we because, should get but, to the film sort of like cuz this episode shouldn't be about the film well i think it shouldn't it shouldn't like, i think i think Anyway, it's going we're gonna like I said meander in and out. But I meant I don't want to like dissect a lot of it because I think what the interesting thing would be is for our listeners to watch this film and see if they think they have a good idea of Bilbao, or for instance, if they've been here and they've seen it.
1: Yeah. I think that would be a really interesting thing. I mean, yeah. the other example that I uh, have had of this in my life was uh, I visited Tokyo once, and this is not this is not a film related uh, experience, but I visited Tokyo. Great podcast work. Yeah, <laughs> I visited Tokyo, and I was reading uh, Haru uh, book, um, Norwegian Wood, and the the sort of ex- amazing thing happened where. Um, In the book, they were describing pulling up to, uh, I think, Shibuya train station. And I happened to be pulling up to Shibuya train station just as I was reading that part. And so I had this sort of like amazing experience of, of feeling like I was immersing myself in the environment, through a book um, as I was there at the same time. And that was kind of a really unique experience. So I'm really curious for our listeners, you know, like um, thinking about either the places, you know, as you asked before, the places they're from um, and how it's been depicted on screen, whether they agree with it or disagree with it or whether they feel differently about it. Um, and, oh. and and also um, w- the places that they've discovered through film. Like, sure. for example, a, pl- a country I've always wanted to visit uh, is Vietnam. And that is because of one movie, and that's a movie called Three Seasons. Three Seasons by uh, Tony Bui. It's not Apocalypse we, Now. No, it's not Apocalypse oh, Now. Wow. Well, this okay. this movie, Three Seasons, depicts Vietnam in the most unbelievably beautiful way. Where you know, like, just because of that movie, Vietnam is on my bucket list of where I want to go in the world.
0: It's actually interesting. I just had some friends come back from Vietnam. Yeah, and they hated it. Right. <laughs> hated well, it maybe, so they, much. maybe they. Gone to a different they, spot. they should see this film, and then maybe yeah, yeah and yeah, see yeah.
1: and and to see how they felt about it in relation to that. I mean, are they? places that you... Want to travel to
0: because uh, of ja- film Japan and Tokyo. Yeah, um, there there's been I mean multiple movies have sort of taken place there. Actually, you know what's weird and it it's mm. totally working like yeah. Seoul and like all this stuff in, in South Korea. Yeah, um, like with the tie-ins with the Marvel films and stuff like okay. that. Like yeah. I see the city, so I was like, that place looks. The places cool. they get destroyed. That, <laughs> no, but they don't necessarily get, they get like you know like South
1: Africa gets destroyed in what was it the Avengers Age of Ultron or something like that. The no, Sokovia's see... in uh,
0: like Eastern Europe. No, no,
1: in uh, Age of Ultron don't the, doesn't the Hulk Fight to oh, happen yeah, in South yeah, Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yep, I was like,
0: yep. No, I meant more. I meant more because um, they go to Seoul in uh, also Age of Ultron because they're trying, that's where they're doing the like <laughs> that in Iron Man 3. Like, there's these weird tiny subplots because they paid money, like China or, or South Korea or whoever pays yeah. money to like make sure that it, like, they have some yeah. uh, Chinese or South Korean actors in it and do all this stuff. Anyway, it's working yeah. because those <laughs> cities look really cool to me and I'd like to go. <laughs> Especially when they're getting destroyed. Yeah.
1: Are there, uh, are, there, are there other places like just based off movies? That you've wanted, like I, you know, I think one of the ones that's always beautiful to me is Greece. Greece always looks incredible on film, uh, and and for example, the film um, *Mediterraneo* was, was a film I saw very young, and
0: I've always wanted to visit that island. You know what's funny? Um, call me by your name, and yeah. the and the, the trilogy of of um, the works of the Italian uh, 80s, yeah, 80s vacation films. Yeah, um, it's so funny because that would have made me want to go there. Though, though, here's the deal. I've done a lot of traveling in Italy mm. and I've done that sort of thing before. And that's another example of like how a place sort of – feel. like that's a very like rich person, lackadaisical sort of thing. But when you're on vacation, hopefully mm. uh, you're going to relax. You're not too stressed out about money. And so when I've when I've been and I've gone to these places that are like very um, – I feel like vacationing in Italy in particular, and at least the places that I've been, has been very like – almost familial in in the way like i i meet people and it's it's crazy how like personable they are yeah. as opposed to like if i go anywhere in the us like that doesn't quite happen as quickly <laughs> Uh, could be a temperature and a climate thing. I don't know. But there's also like
1: I don't know if anyone's ever done sort of cinematic tourism. I mean that's a thing now. Like for example in New Zealand, um, people come and take Lord of the Rings tours. You can still go to uh, Hobbiton, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where the, the Shire is, you know, like actually been fully constructed where they filmed it and stayed up as a tourist location.
0: And speaking of tourists, uh, you know, entertainment and tourism in that regard, uh, our sister podcast. Speaking of Carrie, yeah, uh, Elise Brando and. Uh, Melissa, I almost
1: sent my parents, who are visiting New York for the first they, time, on the
0: Sex in the City well, I tour. I can
1: we can get them tickets. <laughs> like
0: they, if they want to go, they, they can go. Although they bring you to a sex shop and they do a couple other things. Hey, and some, man,
1: my parents are retired. You know, they get a lot of time on their hands. Rock and roll. <laughs>
0: um, but but I mean, their whole jobs they Sex in the City tour bus guides. Yeah. And th- there's st- that's a show that was over twenty years ago, man. Like, and people still feel like that's the New York experience, and they go because of a piece of media has shown them something that they think New York is, and that's going to be the lens that they want to see the real place. I, I know it's a it's, television show, but it, it's it's a similar and thing. and I think
1: there's something with the uh, the idea of cinematic tourism, which is uh, which has to do more with the film than with the place. You know, for example, uh, in there's a specific island uh, in Greece. Um, a, a specific Greek island that was in the in the film Mediterraneo, which uh, I mean, I saw Mediterraneo. I think when I was uh, well, I don't know 13 or 14 years sure. old, and I've always wanted to go to that island. But that's you know th- that's like 20 odd years ago now. Uh, you should talk to my 20, landlord. He knows everything about Greece. <laughs> uh, more than Shout 20 out odd to years ago, and 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 I'm sure my experience of the Greek islands will be nothing. Like what that film is, but I would go because I want to experience what I essentially want to. I want to feel like what the way that film made me feel about that place. And here's the amazing part: it might not do that. It might not do that at all. Because, for example, because like for going, instance, going Sex to it, or going to Italy, uh, you know, and call me by your name, you know, like thinking of of the call me by your name. But experience. it kind of felt like that. So,
0: th- so here, that's the weird part. Like it kind of felt like that. But like, for instance, the sex—if you come mm-hmm. to New York, it's not going to feel like Sex in the City, right? It's just not yeah. because of the way that it—it it, it gives you a feeling of New York, but not a. So where where I, in the world do you want to go? Based well, on I've already said. I mean, the I would say either Tokyo or. Yeah.
1: Uh, and Tokyo is based on which is—is is a particular film or is it? Is,
0: I'm just trying to think of. I've, i it, whenever I see something that's taking place in Tokyo, I'm always like, "Ooh, that looks." Like that looks like an interesting. Place. I like a lot of really metropolitan-y stuff. So I did okay. The, so
1: very city oriented. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I just saw um, Shoplifters by uh, by Hirokozu Kurida, mm. which is a Tokyo film, but it's like it's a very urban Tokyo film. It's like it's it's sitting like uh, tiny apartments, you know, right. alleyways, that kind of thing. And it's it's uh, it's a very different experience of Tokyo than say. Uh, the only thing I can think of in terms of Tokyo right now is the the Katsu trilogy, which has, like, all those amazing time lapses of Shinjuku Station and that sort of thing. Right.
0: Well, it's sort of on the, on the flip side of this entire thing. Yeah. Uh, the film, The Flowers, that we were, we're, we're halfway talking about, is uh, it's not something that when I'd be like, ooh, I want to go to Basque Country. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not something that... Uh, is outwardly trying to make a place look appealing. It's not trying to make it look unappealing. That's that's our approach to this particular film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a a slice of life in that particular area. And what... location can also be the thing and i mean in our case it's very specific because we were looking for a film that took place in a similar location to talk about so we could be sitting outside in a beautiful uh, outdoor uh, cafe area next to a park but the, the you can find certain film based on the location that it is created from like for instance in college i was so into south korean cinema like right. it was it was silly yeah and, it, and it's and it's not only like just because of like the location itself that it's showing me or a location that it actually sort of feels like it's because a lot of film that is uh a lot of film that's basically going uh you know comes from a certain region yes. feels a certain way uh, you you can you can get a sort of ebb and flow of like the actual culture, the cinematic culture in the area, yeah. and in college for whatever reason, South Korean film always sort of spoke to me a lot of times more than standardized American film did. Yeah. Um, so there's always that that draws me uh, to stuff too. Like I like it when I like it when different aspects other than like director or actor yeah. like bring me to a project, and that's something like I I 100% fell into regional. Yeah, I I, I think
1: I I think the thing that's interesting for me is I'm 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 always I think my primary mode of finding films is director focused. I like to look at the body of work from a director. And for example, you know, like my understanding of uh, Iranian cinema, um, you know, comes only from um, Asghar Fahadi, you know, because I'm obsessed with his films. And so he is my gateway into Iranian cinema. Um and you know did we it, do one of his films? What we've we've did? Um, we did uh, the shot. Uh, the salesman. Yes, yeah, uh, yes. which one? Best picture a few years ago. So let's narrow na- now. Okay, so we've kind of broadly talked about how location impacts film, which is how we discovered this particular film. Right. Uh, we're in Spain right now. Now we're not in Madrid or Barcelona. Um, but and and we haven't actually talked about. Uh, Spanish filmmakers too much on this podcast. Uh, Nacho uh, Vindelugu yep. who did Colossal, is he Spanish or Mexican? Uh, this is embarrassing. I it's should so be, embarrassing. Um, um, but you know what? We're not <laughs>
0: cutting anything out because because it, I don't know time codes. <laughs> yeah, because um, <laughs> we're doing this on the
1: fly. Well, of course, the the two kind of titans of Spanish cinema are Luis Bunuel and Pedro Almodovar. Uh, those mm-hmm. are the kind of the the, the two most well-known filmmakers from uh from this region and they're the you know like if you if you took any class in spanish cinema those would be the people you'd uh, probably begin and end those classes Wait, with car
0: <laughs> well it's good we're getting a live situation with a car i know i just wanted to go okay game on <laughs> there you cars go cars
1: passed um but we haven't done a lot of spanish cinema on this podcast um the uh you know the only other person that we we didn't actually do his film but the other the other as far as spanish cinema today is going is uh J.A. bayona who did uh who'd recently directed um the latest jurassic park film mm. the jurassic world film so there is obviously some exports from spanish cinema that are making their way into hollywood sure. uh, i think alex de iglesias is he's uh, he's made one english film um but uh, so this is our essentially our first Spanish film, and now we're getting really specific because we're doing a film that is specific to the region we're in. Yes, um, and and that was basically our only criteria for choosing this film. So that's a difficult. And it's because well, we it's were not going our to this. only
0: criteria, Shahir, because <laughs> you chose it because it was not The World is Not Enough. Exactly. Uh, there, we just throwing that out
1: there. Okay. So my only criteria was It Wasn't The World is Not
0: Enough. And that it took place here. So there are two every criteria. film
1: that isn't The World is Not Enough could have been in that list. If it was from here, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, now, this is a film that kind of uh, uh, the 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 IMD plots in a. Do you want me to do the IMD plots in a I mean, I you I have, have the me. laptop?
0: This is a. I mean, well, listen, we're at we're out of the state, Shahir. We, yeah, can, yeah. we can go crazy. Um, Switch. It up okay. I'm gonna say
1: this again. This is directed by John Garano and Jose Maria Gonega. And the film is, uh, is about Anna's life to ter- uh, turns w- around when a week after I'm gonna start that again. I'm gonna to- I know we're not re- we're not recording this is this is live. We're doing it live. Okay, okay.
0: I, I know this is your big moment. I just don't want you to know, don't okay. choke. You got this. Don't this is- choke. Okay, yeah.
1: Anna's life turns around when week after week she receives a bunch of flowers at home, always at the same time. And always without a sender's note.
0: That's right. And by the way, I just, I, I don't, I feel like I just kind of put you here on blast a little bit. So many times I mess up the IMDb read and I have to re record it and we edit it. So that I, even though we're leaving that in here, I'm,
1: I'm totally fine with it.
0: Just that. know, dear listeners, that a lot of times I'll be swearing it in a really bad mood because I just won't be able to read it correctly <laughs> because I'm going so quick. So. We're doing it
1: live and I'm totally fine being unedited. All right, all right. Um So this is a film of three women whose lives get drawn together because of the actions of some unedited. Known person in the film, um, who begins sending one of the characters flowers. Yes. Now, the interesting thing about this film for me was the implication of childlessness in this film. The the other thing that connects these three characters is not necessarily um, uh, explicit childlessness, but the the importance of having children. So the first character, uh, you know, Anne. I'm, I'm
0: curious where you're going with this.
1: Uh, well, it's it's explicitly stated in the film. The first the first character Anne is uh, going through menopause. So yep. She and they don't have children. Yep. So she is basically at a turning point in her life where she feels like perhaps maybe one of, this things that, one of these things that she wanted to do. Like, it's it's mentioned she's going through menopause very early. I remember, don't so have one of the first scenes. Yeah, one of the first of scenes. And then suddenly she starts receiving flowers on a daily basis. Yes. Uh, on a weekly basis with no name. Uh, the second character, whom we realize is the partner of the person who is sending the flowers, right. lords, uh, has a child, but is being pressured by her, parent, her, her mother-in-law, Tere, to have another child with her husband, whom they don't have a biological child together. Sure. And it is implied that they can't have children.
0: Um, I didn't it, catch that implication but I ter, uh, okay.
1: Terry uh, the Terry says to Beignet, you know, if you want to have a child, just have a child and uh, Oh Beignet, and they go, It's not that simple. Yeah, I, I took see, the,
0: I took it's not that easy or it's not that simple as they didn't want to. I, I didn't take I, it as any biological I got the implication imperative. that they
1: that they couldn't necessarily have another child. No, I didn't get that at all. I, uh, I, I
0: I thought it was interesting because one character couldn't, mm-hmm. one character couldn't no longer have a child even if they wanted to. Yeah. And uh, there was also now now a couple that probably could and is probably culturally uh, uh, supposed to do that, and they didn't want to because they he, he, well, he also goes and he's like, we already have so and so.
1: Yeah, but it's not he's that child is not their biological child. And yeah, that's but he what, was and fine with it, and that's what Tere the grandmother is putting pressure on them for. I know, so the, but he was fine with it. They so it. A connecting it. that's a connecting first strand between these two characters is this uh, is this idea of childlessness and and what it means in terms of these characters now I think again I, I would just, go even
0: further if you want to go down this rabbit hole and then you talk about Tere who eventually uh, loses her son
1: loses her son and also forg- and she has this explicit line about like nobody dies until they're forgotten and then she ultimately gets amnesia at the end of the, uh, not amnesia she gets Alzheimer's at the end of the film yeah. and forgets her son. Or forgets that her son, you know, was alive or died, and so this film has to do with mother, mothers, and well, or women and their relationship to the idea of children. Sure. And and I think that's again, I've just had a child, and we Wait, had, have. Have you had a yeah, child? And, we, and we've. Well, I'm no, always actually, shocked. Actually, actually, no, not just had a child, but my child just had their third birthday. So there it's you not go. even it's not Happy even close birthday. to uh, close to uh, just had, but but I have seen firsthand. Uh, and I'm sure every woman has seen this, the pressure that comes when you reach a certain age to have children because of the biological clock.
0: You've seen and, secondhand.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. OK, I've seen. Well, no, I've seen the pressure firsthand. I haven't experienced the pressure myself.
0: <laughs> OK. Yeah. Uh, um,
1: so uh, I've seen that that pressure kind of applied and how and how difficult and painful it can be and how profound that, uh, right, right, that right. can be. Right. Um, so that was something that kind of played on my mind very, very explicitly. And then, of course, then there's this, uh, this sort of overt symbolism about the flowers being arrived. You know, uh, flowers can, in um, in sort of traditional um, Western literature, sure, portray, sure, sure. Uh, imply fertility, you know, like virility, you know. Even sensuality. romance to a point, yeah. W- romance to a point as well. Yeah. Um, and, and so basically, if you took it on a metaphorical level, this is a woman who is basically, lo- you know, like... Learned that she will never have children at this stage and then receives this sort of symbol of fertility or virility or sensuality or somehow where you want to read it. I mean, um, I I read it on a daily basis. And it makes her feel.
0: I think it's romantic. It, yeah.
1: it makes her. It kind of. It, it gives her some a heightened sense where where yeah. something was lost and now something is gained.
0: And then her husband is kind of a, a doof, even though he makes a point by the. eye. you know there's something interesting about characters that like you see them being cruel to not well maybe even cruel not like physically cruel. cruel uh, uh, negligent of both his of his partner right yeah. and you're like oh that guy's a dick, <laughs> um but then like there's a line or two that like makes you sympathetic to him because he's like who stopped talking to who and now that's a piece of information that we didn't have in the yeah. film like it never gave us so they were like oh well was there something else? like i'm not that's not really the crux of what this movie's doing i just find that always interesting as a narrative choice when you're like going to try to pivot mm-hmm. an opinion of a character based on an outside of the film action yeah uh, and i don't I, know again, how well
1: that works. i i didn't i wasn't uh i, I didn't think he was being a dick. like i th- i i understood oh he was be- he was being a dick no i d- i i actually c- So, I think... I understood the way he was feeling about this. Like someone is sending his wife flowers oh, no, on no, no. a weekly I'm, basis. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking
0: about that. I'm and talking he's feeling
1: very. He's feeling. Uh,
0: he's feeling weird about it. Yeah, yeah. And you can totally feel weird about that. That's not the part about him being a dick. The part about being him dick is she would try to talk to him and he wouldn't speak, and he'd be like, "Yep," and he'd go and sit down in front of the TV every single time he came home. And there was never. And that sort of exacerbated her excitement about the flowers because here's a man who's supposed to be the most important man in her life, uh, maybe next to her father or you know yeah. whatever and that who's ignoring her completely and then there's some random person we mm-hmm. assuming a romantic partner or something like that that is sending flowers to to her because I mean, even though there there's no note but like you can she wanted to believe that it was because someone was thinking about her right. like i think he was negligent and kind of a dick uh, <laughs> It's the flowers thing him getting upset about that is is a is an understandable thing because there's there's in this specific situation outside of how Annie is feeling. Yeah. Uh it's kind of creepy. If you if you keep yeah, like at first it's
1: like, "Ooh, maybe I got by mistake." In any other context, like the, yeah. you could read this in a million ways. This could be a, the yeah. the beginning of a horror movie. Yeah. This could be the beginning of Tyler Perry's position or something mm-hmm. like that, you know what I mean? Um so I I think that was an inter that that's a sort of interesting thread that this film is kind of pulling on and it eventually leads into into again the family of the person who uh, we're uncertain at the time. You know when we inter- when we meet this character Beignet, uh his he may be the person responsible who's sending the flowers but we don't know exactly we we presume it's him although it's never explicitly said there's still some confusion about it in the film itself like you know there's questions asked about like it might have just been a misinterpretation it might not be him at all like we never see him explicitly doing it we just presume and that's all the characters have as well because ben then meets uh, an untimely uh, death as you as you mentioned yep, earlier yep, yep. in an accident um and then there's a sort of this film has that kind of intertwining storylines around one central focal point. Uh, that's something like um, uh, Iñárritu's film uh, uh, Amores Peros or 21 Grams kind of does yeah. as well. You know, it's like it's, it's all, these, all these characters are sort of circulate around each other based on this one single action. And that is the, 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 the sending of flowers on a weekly basis. But the interesting thing here is that... The sending of flowers is never fully resolved. You no. know, again, again, I think we we, we presume that Benet did it, but at it, le- it basically sits off a chain of events which are not uh, entirely consequential. It's like it's not because he sent flowers that he died and then this happened to him. Right. But it sits off a chain of events that are thematically tied together. So. He dies, but then he passes his body, uh, he agrees, almost controversially, to pass his body on to medical testing. Um, Right. Yeah, you know, and so, and in a way, he basically um, allows his body to become, you know, uh, a tool for other people. Uh, for other people to learn from, to grow from as well. Sure. Uh, and this scene, you know, like his his wife Laura days, uh, eventually becomes estranged from his mother Terry, and she leaves the family as well. And it's all based around this like single thematic idea of this like single action that 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 consequentially changes the lives of everyone around them. And I think that that sort of it's. When those films really work, like in the case of Amores Peros, where uh, Amores Peros all takes place around a single car crash. Yes. Um, so a single car crash happens, and everyone's lives around that car crash changes. You know, it spirals out from that moment. Uh, 21 Grams does the same thing around a, a, another car accident as well. Right, so right, right. So this might right. be a, a sort of thing with Inaritu. Um, <laughs> but but, but this one is the... It's not a direct connection between everything. It's a, thema- it's a, it's a thematic connection. Connection between them, so almost in a way, plot points. The plot doesn't like necessarily matter so much. It's more how does how do these events connect to each other thematically?
0: The skeleton of the film is thematics, but the plot definitely matters because you're getting you're getting your pieces of information f- that you get from that. You're, the theme, and in,
1: in, in, in so much as plot matters to connect you to any film, I guess yeah, yeah. yes. But I'm saying in well, this so saying film, I'm just
0: saying it saying it doesn't matter. It makes it sound. It's I don't think it's as
1: as important as trying to figure out the thematic. In terms of reading this movie, I don't think the 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 plot mechanics in terms of like how like Benet's death, for example, has no connection to anything that's happening on screen no it just happens it just happens right
0: and his, his but that's, choice, the, but that's his, the plot itself right like yeah, that, and, 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 and because of that death not necessarily that the plot had mm-hmm. to do with this death it's in the plot he dies then the three women who leave flowers at well actually only really two of them even though it should have been three uh leaving flowers at the the, the point of the accent is what connects the characters right together. but it's
1: it's it's the question here i think that's more important is like why do they leave flowers and what do the flowers mean for each of them yeah right yeah like what what is so and into in your mind you know i've been doing a lot of talking here what do you think like how do you think this film connects thematically this idea of these flowers around these characters
0: i think it's 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 trying to speak to the different ways um i guess you'd say if how it's not trying to say this but flowers are used as a as a as a basically a plot point or a thematic point to illustrate different points of thinking about a person Right, right. So uh, Annie is feeling uh, negligent or feeling ne- neglected, excuse me, um, about things. So she is uh, when she gets flowers from an unnamed uh, person. She starts feeling great again because flowers make you feel that way. <laughs> um, when uh, when the mother Terry leaves flowers at the site. Uh, that's because she misses her son, and that's what you do to to mourn and to grieve. When Anna leaves flowers at the site, when she thinks it's this guy Terry who's who was uh, worked at the same place that she did, the, the, but like she kept like he kept a necklace of hers for some reason, but we don't really know why. Like there was never any really explicitly like you never saw him like lusting after her or anything. No, like that. yeah,
1: that's that's the thing. I you never get the sense that like it's a. Yeah. you're not sure exactly what his intentions sure. were. Sure,
0: and I don't. And I I kind of like that because it's built. The entire movie is built around that. Like I hate movies that like make you like it tells you like this is important, this is important, this yeah. is important, and then oh, it doesn't answer it. This movie, and I get. I guess I'm circling back to the way you sort of said how plot. I would say plot takes a backseat. I would not yeah. say it's not important. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the
1: plot mechanics are that important to how you read this. Movie.
0: Um, I think they are the catalyst at which the the things you read in this film happen. Yeah, as it's any a plot film, is.
1: more interested in symbolism. Sure.
0: Um, so, so in that case now, Anne is leaving flowers because weirdly, I think out of an, a sense of, of obligation in, a, in an odd way, or, or here's the deal, in, in search of a relationship that she is not currently in, I think there's a little bit of guilt. I think it's a complex set of emotions. And then finally, uh, Terry's wife, uh, Lori, is it, Lori uh, Lords. L- Lords. Lords, Lords, uh, never no, no,
1: Terry, Terry's granddaughter, uh, you know, her, her, her. Her daughter in law. Uh, no,
0: sorry. Then who? Uh, who is the Benet? Uh, Benet. Bene, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, his wife. Um, when she never leaves flowers, that's another symbol about sort of how she felt about maybe the relationship or how she felt about her place in the family and the relationship once yeah. he was gone. And then the film spoiler, I guess, at the film ends with her leaving flowers. Leaving flowers and Finally, flowers. In the thing. But so, it, it,
1: there's also this implication when she um, when she doesn't. Um, when some of her car- room, uh, some of his former co workers start leaving plastic flowers for him. Oh, yeah, you know, the like mother gets sudden, mad. The mother gets mad, very upset about that because there's a finality to that. It means that they're not bringing fresh flowers, it means that they're going to forget them. So yeah. flowers kind of implicates. Uh, Sen- remembrance, remembrance, or a sense that this you're, person is alive.
0: Well, and you're thinking about them, and if yeah. you're tied into the way that uh, Terry talks about it, when the second you stop thinking about someone, they're truly dead, which is terrifying and amazing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And she, and then the irony of the film is that she ultimately gets Alzheimer's and forgets her son.
0: The flowers themselves had a full, fully realized, I would say, through line throughout yeah. the entire thing.
1: And it's a, it's a, it's kind of a lovely thing. It's not a. I, I would argue as well. This film, like, if we're getting into our final thoughts about it, it is a, it is a. It's a beautifully shot movie for one. And it is a lovely, lovely movie. It's not I, I think thematically it doesn't connect with me completely, but it's but that's necessarily also because it has a very gentle tone about it. It's very, very gently told. You know, as you said, as we of talked, talked about as well, the plot kind of mechanics don't really You know, throw these characters together, or force a situation where they're all confronting each other. Although there is that wonderful scene with uh, Anna and Lords in the car, and Mm -hmm. they hit the sheep, which is the sheep we see when Binay dies as well. It's kind of this idea that his body metaphysically, you know, parts onto the sheep. There's a lot of that. So it is this kind of beautifully symbolic film, but it doesn't necessarily, uh, in my mind, quite sort of uh, absolutely land. But again, I think, you know, we were sort of coming to this film for a very different reason. We were kind of discovering it because again, we were coming to the place where this film is necessarily set, right? as opposed to, you know, trying to discover this sort of, un you know, uh, undiscovered masterpiece that we're trying to find out, that get our audience to listen to, um, or to see. But I think you know it is a really fascinating film. I'm very curious if we have any listeners from Bilbao who may have seen this film, yeah. or any Spanish listeners. I know we have Spanish listeners that um, um, that listen into us mm-hmm. who may have seen this movie and may have some different thoughts from it. So they can write us in at Only Movie at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at Only Yes. Um, yeah. But I but, think you know, I, I'm very. I'm. I. I think more importantly, I'm very curious about this question of how does. How does your relationship to a place connect with the
0: film? Right, and and we can sort of wrap that up after I give my final stuff on on this film in particular. I uh, I was super psyched to do it because I think, like we even talked about beforehand, the you know places can affect the way we experience either both the place and the cinema, depending on what we see first, in in a lot of cool ways. And this movie prepped me, I think, for a lot of like. Sort of like the, the the general feeling and tone of I will say the landscape, not necessarily this particular city that we're in, but again, it didn't take place in the city. The city wasn't like an important part of it this does, particular it story. does
1: kind of resemble the landscape we've seen, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. yeah just from walking around, yeah. uh, and it gave me sort of a tonal thing. It actually was a great sort of primer for being here in a weird way. Again, not not in a in this particular part of this particular city, but in Basque country, like how 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 the the pacing of life sort of feels. And I think this movie, even beyond that. Uh, is a very interesting take on very simple real human emotions and i I enjoyed it a lot i think anyone should sort of reach out and uh uh reach out reach out across the internet to (laughs) itunes or whatever your streaming service you love and uh you you know rent it and check it out yourself because there's a lot of really cool interesting human elements to this not only just from you know from a locational standpoint but from a from from a a, a human experience and dealing with death and dealing with like uh, even you know what this was the, the my final thing some of the most fascinating stories are stories that you don't know the end to, as long as it's presented in a way that the end like finding out the end isn't the most important thing in the story and right. this is one of those things, yeah, you never find out where the flowers came from. you just know that due to the flowers being delivered uh to Anna, then that that these three women's lives were changed forever ultimately changed and yeah. uh I think that's super cool, so I think you should check it out and it,
1: I think the only thing there is that we don't we're Again, we haven't. We're we're not suggesting as well that this is a, a, a masterpiece that you need to go discover. I, we, none of us said that. Yeah, we, 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 just, I think it's just interesting. We yeah, it's an interesting film because we had to discover this place, and I think
0: I that, think it's an interesting film. Beyond that, I think I, I think I'm I'm thankful that we were coming here. You found this film, and then I got to yeah. see it. It would have never been on my radar. Yeah, we would never have discovered yeah. this film otherwise.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah. and that's a that's an interesting thing you know like there it makes you kind of think about the fact that there are millions of movies all over the place about specific little things that we will never see but you know that's what the great thing that travel has the the ability to do yeah and uh, you know we'll get to all of them each week we'll get to every film We'll find a film from every small part,
0: every part of the. You know, we'll just we we will have to download our brains to do that uh, <laughs> once we're old and they don't work anymore. Uh, so this has been the only outdoor mm-hmm. podcast about flowers in Bilbao. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Shahir we're coming to you live from Spain. When, Which other podcast does that? Uh, probably every other Spanish. And podcast. And also, we're not coming to you live. Yeah. So not, <laughs> Yeah. Nothing. Th- yeah. The, but but Shahir, when you're not <laughs> when you're not hyping up <laughs> the actual liveness of a podcast, that will be very much recorded, where can folks find you?
1: You can find me not in Spain, back in my hometown of Astoria, New York, uh, but also on the internet at www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are discovering the true meaning of uh, botanical uh, flowers...
0: Botany. You can, you can, Where can people find you? You can find me uh, making my potions at M A T T H E W K R O L dot com for my life and works or a skeleton the number four P R E Z on Instagram or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, I'll check out all the stuff on Extra Credits YouTube. We're doing a bunch of fascinating, neat stuff over there. Uh, yeah, next week we'll be back. In the studio, pristine audio quality, no conversations and mm-hmm. cars and 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 coworkers I coming love through. This, by this by is the really right.
1: fun. I, I love like hearing Span- sure. Spanish. Sure. No, no, this me. is
0: cool. Um, and you'll all you'll hear is the dulcet sounds of our voices and my cat occasionally meowing like a madwoman. Uh, and yeah, we uh we will have you hear us then.
1: And death will come no for us long- all. Yeah, come for us all. I guess. <laughs> Just like. The dying flowers that you may send us at the time.
0: Don't send us flowers. Send
1: us flowers. Send us a plastic flower. I'll take a plastic plastic flower. One plastic flower.
0: Okay. Single tulip. (laughs) Bye.